Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, Ridge family? My name is Mike Bro. in case we've never met before, and I've had the privilege of sharing with you on numerous occasions. Uh, I live in Southern California these days, and I'm actually a part of the Real Life Church teaching team. And so we've done some series together. Uh, but I'm originally uh, from Kentucky, uh, where I worked on the same team as my buddy and your pastor, Mark White. Uh, actually, I've been, I've been praying for the Ridge, like since way before the Ridge was even in existence. And it's so cool how God realized a dream inside of Mark and other people. And to now see what you're doing, I, I got to tell you, it's just super inspiring. And I, and I just want to say, I've, I've been following you guys on Instagram and see what you're doing uh, during these recent months. So grateful to all of you who are just living beyond yourself and you're extending hope and practical help and compassion and exhibiting this uh, selfless spirit uh, in the world is noticing. So, so thank you for doing that. And, and you know what? That's really why we exist anyway. And it's actually why we feel so good when we live like that. I've always loved how Rick Warren's classic book, The Purpose Driven Life, starts with the sentence that says, it's not about me. And it's not. You, you and I were created to do life with God. It's all about Him. And to know Him and to make Him known is why we're here, to partner with Him, to bring hope to a dark and broken world. And make no mistake about it, this life that we're living is the epic story of God. Now, you and I get to play a small part, but a significant part. But, but my name is not the one on the marquee. Man, I am not the director. I'm not the producer. I'm not the star of the story. When they roll the credits at the end someday, I'll be listed as like, you know, third bald guy. Life is not about me. And the sooner you realize that, your life gets energized and you start to live out your purpose with passion and courage and joy. You know, Jesus told us that you and I are simply to love God and love people. And I'm discovering that if we will just do that, if we will connect with the unfailing love of our Father and then let that love flow out of us to other people, then you and I will be living on purpose and we'll end up making a huge difference in our world. At the same time, we'll be deeply fulfilled. Anybody like to kayak, canoe? Yeah, I can remember taking a bunch of high school students on a canoeing adventure one time. And before we got in the water, our, our guide gave us this talk about safety and such and what to do if your canoe you know flips over and life jackets, all that stuff. And then after he got done with his safety pitch, <clears throat> excuse me, he paused and he looked at all the students and he said, you know what? Most people like you today will just go downstream. Now, of course, it's much easier to go with the flow. And if you keep going downstream, you're going to eventually empty into the Gulf with all the others, all the other, all the other rivers. But expert canoeists and kayakers will often paddle upstream. Now, it requires more effort, but they get to see more beauty, wildlife that aren't expecting people to be coming upstream. And if they were to keep paddling, they would end up at the freshwater source of the river. And then he looked at all of our students. I'll never forget this. 
And he said, turn your life upstream. Don't just go with the flow. And you'll experience life at its fullest because you'll be heading toward the source of all life. And I stood there thinking, preach it, canoe guy. I've never forgotten that little talk he gave. Jesus gave another talk. It was a great, great go-against-the-flow talk one time where he was standing on a hillside. It's commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And you can find it in the book of Matthew. It's the first book of the New Testament section of the Bible. And it's found in chapters 5 through 7. You really ought to read it sometime. It is this radical, counterintuitive, countercultural, turn-your-canoe-around message about living your life upstream. For instance, uh, he, he starts his talk by standing up and saying, anybody chasing happy? Well, if you want to be truly happy, if you want to be deeply satisfied in the depths of your soul, here's how you start, he says. Blessed are the busted. How's that for countercultural? He says you want to live a rich life? Then you got to realize your spiritual poverty. And when you reach in your spiritual pockets and you turn them inside out and you find out that all you have are those little lint balls in there, that's a good day. Because it makes you realize your need for God. And when you come to Him in your brokenness and in your poverty, that's when real life begins. Blessed are the busted. And then he talks about humility and surrender being the pathway to recovery. He talks about being hungry for the things of God. He talks about extending the same kind of mercy and forgiveness that we have received from Him. He talks about you and me dropping all those crazy image management games and becoming authentic, pure-hearted, peacemaking kind of people. I mean, those first four verses recorded in Matthew chapter 5 are often called the Beatitudes. Maybe you've heard about that before. In fact, most 12-step recovery groups are based on those Beatitudes. So Jesus gives us this against-the-flow, paddle-upstream pathway to living a great life. And then he wraps up the intro to his sermon by saying this in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? No, it's going to be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, this section about being salt and light is not like, okay, now that the Beatitudes are done, let's move on to something else. No, this is actually the culminating paragraph of the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. It was meant to wrap up all the Beatitudes. Jesus is saying, listen, if you live like I just described, you know, like broken and dependent upon God and humbly surrendered to his power and control, if you maintain a hunger and a thirst for the things of God, if you will walk through your life extending the kind of mercy you've received from your Father, if you live as a relational peacemaker and you do it with pure and authentic motives, even in the midst of tragic times, whether it's pain or persecution or pandemics, you will be so different. You will be so countercultural. You will stand out. Jesus says, you live like this, and you will be salt and light in this dark and decaying world. Live like this, and not only will you be happy and blessed and deeply fulfilled, but you will have maximum impact in this world. My wife, Debbie, and I, we have uh, such different taste buds. Anybody else 
fight over taste bud stuff. We, we go on a road trip. And we'll go into a gas station, get snacks, and she comes out with everything sour. Sour candy, sweet tarts, uh, salt and vinegar chips, where I'm all about peanut M&Ms and Snickers and beef jerky and Cheetos. The one thing we both love is we love salt. I love it a little too much. Now, now we all know that too much salt can be destructive, right? It can drive up your blood pressure. It can cause uh, like water retention, swelling, uh, edema. Too much salt can also be corrosive. And you guys know exactly what I'm talking about here, right? Because how Milwaukee has two seasons, right? Winter and road construction season. I mean, I lived in Chicagoland for uh, a half dozen years. And when I moved there, I wondered what these uh, huge like silo barn things along the freeways were. And I learned very quickly that they were filled with rock salt to throw on the roads during the nine months of winter. And they they cause a lot of potholes and cars get rusted out. I mean, too much salt is not a great thing. Now, I live in Ventura, California now, right on the coast. Uh, We have no winter, so no no need for the silos full of rock salt. But saltwater air from the ocean, it rusts out all kinds of stuff. I got some friends who live like right on the beach, and they're always replacing stuff. I mean, super high maintenance because too much salt isn't a good thing. However, at its best, it really is a pretty incredible thing. I mean, back when Jesus gave his sermon, salt was so valuable that many soldiers were paid in salt. That's, that's where, the, where the term comes from, are you worth your salt? We, we derive the word salary from the word salt. And back when Jesus was, was, was talking from that hill, the people were not going back home to their stainless steel sub-zero refrigerators. Salt was used as a preservative. They would pack the fish they caught in salt to keep it all fresh. Now, y'all ever had country ham? You know, being from Kentucky, I've had plenty of it. They salt cure those things. No refrigeration. Super salty and super good. Man, it's like bacon because everything's better with bacon, right? So perhaps Jesus was telling them and us, as salt of the earth, you will not be part of the moral decay. You will actually act as a preservative. You'll preserve goodness and decency and truth. You'll preserve kindness and justice and mercy. As long as you are around, compassion will never die. Love will never grow cold. And the underdog and the oppressed will always have a champion. Now, never be obnoxious with your saltiness because too much salt is corrosive. But if you will live like I just described, Jesus says, you will be the salt of the earth preserving what is good and godly. There's a few other characteristics of salt that I think relate to how you and I are supposed to live in this world. One of the cool things about salt is the way it flavors. I mean, the right amount of salt just makes bland better, right? You ever had popcorn without salt? Have you seen that popcorn simply naked? It should say simply styrofoam. I mean, it's just gross. You can't have scrambled eggs without a little salt on them. Salt seasons. It brings flavor to this world. And I think Jesus is saying, in a world convinced of a meaningless existence, you, yes, you, will add that dash of purpose, that dash of passion and hope. You'll bring joy and laughter to a way too pessimistic world. You will add so much flavor that people will want whatever you have. In fact, that's another thing that salt does. It creates thirst. You you live like this, it'll make people say, I really do want whatever you got. I want some of that. And then when they say that, you can point back to Jesus and tell them, listen, I can't explain everything about the Bible. I'm no expert, but I do know this. I came to Jesus empty and I walked away filled. 
God created all of us with that thirst. And man, I know he'd love to quench it for you like he did for me. Jesus said one time to a woman who was dying of thirst in her soul, he said, but those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Salt also has healing properties. I like to do uh, construction stuff. And unwisely, I'm always wearing shorts when I'm doing construction stuff. So not long ago, I had a cut on my leg again. And I went boogie boarding for a couple of hours in the ocean. When I got out, the cut was like almost gone. My mom used to make me gargle with salt water when I had a sore throat. And you and I, like salt, I think are called to bring healing to relationships. Sometimes even to be a loving truth teller. And you know that sometimes truth might, like salt, sting a little bit. But it could also heal somebody's life. And salt can also melt ice by just you and me being good salt. We might just see some cold, cold hearts begin to thaw. So Jesus says, listen, you, yes, you are the salt of the earth. Don't lose your saltiness. Don't be obnoxiously salty and thus become corrosive and destructive. Instead, you preserve godliness and truth and hope and you add flavor and you bring the joy and the fun and the peace and the calm and the positive perspective. You be a healing property because lots of people in this world are got scrapes and cuts from this life that just might need a healing touch that you can offer through Jesus. Get out there and melt some cold hearts and create a thirst for God. But in order to do any of that, it's kind of obvious, isn't it? We got to get out of the shaker. Jesus might have added, if teaching in our day, what good is salt if it stays in the shaker? Now, I know that some of you are like out of school or you're sick of doing school online. But can I give you a little formula, a little mathematical equation? Here it is. HP plus CP plus AC equals MI. Now let me give you, give you what the formula stands for. High potency plus close proximity plus authentic compassion equals maximum impact. That's talking about taking the good news, the high potency truth of God's love for everybody on the planet and just getting up close, intentionally building genuine friendships with people who need that good news. Now, for me, uh, that close proximity stuff meant playing in basketball and softball leagues and showing up regularly at the same restaurants and talking with the guys at the bar. And I would try to take my trash down the driveway at the same time my neighbor was so that we could strike up a conversation. It, it might mean firing up the grill and inviting some people over, or taking a walk with a neighbor, or volunteering to coach kids or work at school. It's, it's you and me just doing intentional things, kind things, compassionate things, good things, living beyond ourselves for the glory of God. That's salt out of the shaker. That's light that shines brightly. Remember how Jesus said, you're not only salt, you're also the light of the world. Now, once again, like salt, when light is too bright, man, it can cause squinting, it can cause blindness, it can cause people to, to turn away. But at its best, light does some amazing things. I was thinking how, how light brightens lives. And I know a lot of people who do that. Some of you are probably like that. Uh, you just like a like like the sun coming out on a cloudy day at the lake. You ever had that? You might be fishing in a boat or laying out on the boat, and it's kind of chilly. And then a cloud moves away, and the sun comes out. It's like, oh man, it feels so good. And some of you are people like that who just show up at the right time. You have a way of saying the right thing or cracking the right joke, and it's just like light walked into the room, just like the sun just 
came out. Light also guides. I mean, how many lost hikers and campers have found their way out of the woods using a flashlight or, or seeing the lights of a house in the distance? I heard an old story about a, about a ship who saw the light of an approaching ship and shot off a message, change your course 10 degrees north. Message came back, no, you change your course 10 degrees south. Well, they fired off a message again, no, change your course 10 degrees north. This is the captain. Message came back, no, change your course 10 degrees south. This is Seaman First Class Jones. Now the captain is ticked, and he fires off a message, change your course 10 degrees north. This is a battleship. Message came back, change your course 10 degrees south. This is a lighthouse. <laughs> I mean, how many ships at sea looking for a port have been guided by light? And how many people looking for a safe haven these days could use just a little loving guidance? Light brightens and it guides. And you know, I, I love the way light warms. I was thinking about just the other night, I'm, I'm sitting around a fire pit with, with my son and just thinking how the glow of a campfire, the glow of a fire pit or a fireplace, every, everything just feels better around that glow. It just has a way of warming up the whole environment. And I also love how light is indiscriminate, how light spreads out its beams. It's, it's inclusive. Light fills a room. I mean, e- even though you can direct the light toward a particular object, still, a little piece of that light shines on everybody. But the best part about light to me is it chases out the darkness. When you were a kid, were you afraid of the dark? I, I remember when I was a little kid, I watched a movie called The Wizard of Oz. You ever seen this old movie? I got freaked out at these flying monkeys. I mean, really freaked out. I slept with the light on for like two months. You ever been watching a scary movie? It's always the same thing. Like a girl enters the house and she's walking down this hallway and creepy music is playing and it's super dark and she walks right past the light switch. And I'm screaming, just turn on the light and the darkness and the creepy music will go away. You see, darkness cannot stand the effects of light. I love what John, one of Jesus' best friends, wrote about Jesus. He said, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And it never will. I got to go to Israel a couple years ago, and I got to stand where Jesus actually taught this sermon. Um, And from Jesus' teaching perspective, it struck me that he and the crowd that he was talking to could see what was called the city of Tiberias. It was set up on a hill across the Sea of Galilee. Now, there's a lot more light bulbs these days, but even back then, everybody could see it. So when Jesus says a city on a hill cannot be hidden, he probably pointed like like up there. See that city right there, Tiberias? Can't miss it, especially at night. You could not not see it. I got to go with a group of guys to uh, Rosarito, Mexico, uh, to build some houses with a with a ministry called uh, Homes for Hope. And we built eight houses in two days. It was crazy hard and fast work. We pounded thousands of nails and lots of Advil. Uh, but it was so cool to see over 100 guys spread all over the hillsides of this one area, just bringing hope to people. I mean, you could not not notice. It was like a city on a hill. You see, it's HP plus CP plus AC equals MI. High potency plus close proximity plus authentic compassion equals maximum impact. Gang, Jesus didn't call us to stay in a salt shaker or sit under a bucket. He says, shake it out and go flavor. 
Plug it in and go shine. It's why you're here. He says, in the same way as that city on a hill, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will think you're awesome. No, remember, it's not about you. So that everyone will see your goodness and praise your heavenly Father. Let your authentic acts of compassion throw a floodlight on a good, compassionate, and loving Father. I've been doing a little Bible study through uh, the book of Philippians while sheltering at home. And this verse jumped out at me the other day. The the writer kind of leads into this verse by saying, you know what, this world is pretty corrupt and it's really, really dark. But if you will model the same kind of humility and compassion that Jesus did, he says this, you will shine like stars in the universe. Gang, that's our job description. It's why we're here, to shine wherever you are. Whatever workplace, whatever club, whatever, whatever gym, whatever team, whatever neighborhood, what, whatever family you're in, just shine. You know, I, I've thought about this a lot as a dad. One of the privileges of my life has been to, has, uh, has been to be a dad. And uh, Debbie and I, one night, were walking down. We had this uh, kind of long driveway. We lived out in the country, and it got really, really dark at night because there were no streetlights out there. And I noticed as we're walking that the stars were super bright. I mean, very far away, but still very brilliant. Then I saw the moon, one of those like fingernail moons, a little slice. And it was very, very brilliant, but it was also far away. And then at the same time, I'm looking at the galaxies. Here's an airplane. It comes, comes, flies by with this landing light, landing gear lights on, and it was really, really bright. And then off in the distance, like toward the airport, I could see this searchlight sweeping the sky. All of this is going on the same time, all kinds of lights in the distance. But then a lightning bug, a firefly, flew right in front of my nose and caught my attention. And my philosophical mind started churning. I thought, you know what? I might not be the brightest, fanciest, most brilliant light in my kid's galaxy, but I can be the closest. And I just want to get up close and consistently model compassion in front of them, model authenticity and truth-telling and model generosity. And maybe, just maybe, if I get up close and often, maybe other lights won't entice them as much. We're called to shine. You know, maybe you have friends like I do that right now... Like they're groping in the dark. They're looking for a way. Just get up close and shine a guiding light. You don't have to be the most brilliant light. Just the closest one. Just shine. I hear you saying, well, yeah, I hear you, bro, but you don't know how dark my workplace is, man. You don't know how dark my neighborhood is. You don't know how dark my school is. It is very, very dark. And that may be true. But it always helps me to remember the darker it is, the brighter the light shines. You know, I love how the Bible begins in the the book of Genesis. It says this, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. I want to share something that just flowed out of me at 3 o'clock one morning. I couldn't sleep, uh, so I got up and I started writing. And I'd never really written like a spoken word piece before, like a rap piece before, but I did. And I just want to warn you, you know, I'm from Kentucky, so sometimes country plus rap can equal crap. I'm sorry, but but I'm going to give it my best shot. But this is what just flowed out of me that I wrote at 3 o'clock one morning. The world has grown dark, 
surrounded by night, and Jesus cries out, let there be light. When kids are abused and women are used, I'll let there be light. When men are judged by their color or the race of their mother, let there be light. When hearts are broken and cruel words are spoken, I'll let there be light. When markets crash and hopes are dashed, when dreams are squelched and a friend cries for help, let there be light. When addictions wreak havoc, self-destruction becomes habit. When prodigals are lost and look for a way, when depression comes and clouds the day, let there be light. When children grow hungry and corruption robs their dreams because nations oppress and politicians scheme, let there be light. When Satan spins lies and identities are stolen, when you're made to feel useless and shame becomes normal, oh, let there be light. When minds become foggy and confusion takes over, when the truth becomes blurred and love becomes colder, let there be light. You are the light of the world. Shine, guide, warm someone's soul, a reflection of love from the giver of hope. With kindness and compassion, move through your day so others might see that there is a way, a way that brings life and freedom and glory to the only true God who is writing this story, the epic story of love so relentless and fierce that it led to a cross where his hands would be pierced so all could live forgiven and free from the night that all may know the source of all light. And this light will never be contained. It cannot be put out, snuffed out, restrained. Though many have tried, his light still remains. May his compassion be caught through us. May his love be brought by us, that this world may spot in us, Jesus, the light of the world. This is our calling, our destiny, our life, to walk through our world saying, let there be light. So what do you say? We go shine. Why don't you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for giving us purpose in this life. Thank you for creating us to do life with you, to know you, and to make you known. And God, maybe this time in our history has revealed more than ever how there are people who are just groping in the dark, looking for some guidance, some, some direction, looking for some love. And Father, I pray that we would continue to live beyond ourselves and care about our friends and our neighbors and our family members who just need a touch from you. God, help us to be the kind of salt you want us to be in this world. Help us to be the kind of light that you've called us to be in this world. And I pray that as we do that, everyone will praise you because you are the God of love that wants everybody to come to a saving faith. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.